Raising black children in the United States can be really scary. And as a black mother, I realized I was parenting from fear. And I wanted to make a commitment to parent for liberation. You are listening to the Parenting for Liberation podcast, and I am your host, Trina Green-Brown. Each week, I am joined by other black parents, and we discuss our own journeys to push past our fear so that we can raise our beautiful black children to be whole, free, and liberated. Wake up, everybody, no more sleeping in bed. No more backward thinking, time for thinking Hey, y'all, this is Trina Green-Brown with Parenting for Liberation. I'm here with John A. Strong, a black mama of two, six-year-old Akeem and two-year-old Yari. She is an educator and organizer dedicated to healing and liberation for all black people. She enjoys singing, dancing, and wrestling with her two fellow superheroes, Peach Cobbler and The Color Purple. Hey, John A., welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you because this is just right on time. And this is a great follow-up to our last podcast on Parenting for Liberation, where I discuss healing and Black healing justice with Matisse Haynes. And then almost like serendipitously, my homegirl in this movement work, my sister, Janae Taylor, shared that BYP had dropped the Black Joy Experience album. So for those of you who don't know, Black Joy Experience is an album that you can get on Spotify, iTunes. It has 23 tracks. And the, the, hit, the hit song that I think is the hit that has a music video is called Healing. And so because of that, I thought, why not speak to any Black parents who were involved in that process of recording healing, who involved their children in talking about what that process was like and why is healing important to them as Black parents? So I'm so excited that you said yes and that Janae could hook us up and connect us. Glad too. It was very cool. So let's get started from the beginning. Cool? Absolutely. All right. So can you please share with folks about the origin story of BYP and its intention for Black liberation? Yeah. So BYP 100 is distinctly different from BYP. And originally BYP was a part of University of Chicago, Dr. Kathy Cohen, was on a mission very dedicated to highlighting the fact that young Black people are political, not apathetic, not outside of the political process, um, but just tend to participate in politics in different ways. So we will talk about on social media, which at the time, this was like a time when social media was still very new um, and folks weren't giving it the, the credibility that it gets today um, as a form of political participation and discourse. And so that was kind of her mission and myself and Jonathan Likes, who was one of the producers of the album, um, were doing this academic research and were writing blogs and writing for the website. And a part of that mission that Kathy had was to bring together young Black millennials who are active, flourishing in their own right, just super, super um, great people, um, and convene them together, which was where the original 100 folks came from. And um, as the universe will have it, the ancestors pulled everyone in that moment of the, the decision to acquit Zimmerman for the murder of Trayvon Martin. And there were different responses, but the overwhelming response that endured past that night was that, you know, young Black folks need an organization that's geared towards us specifically as being 18 to 35. And having an organization that's about the enlistment, uh, protection, edification, just kind of like building up a, a young Black millennial 
um, political force that would be able to change the conditions and, and go for liberation for all Black people, be it college educated or not, wage work, corporate, what, whatever your Blackness looks like, we understood that in that moment we needed um, an organization that was built to, to protect us and also to protect our space to be able to do things like heal and have joy. Thank you for giving us a little bit of the history of BYP and BYP 100. And I just really love the the fact that the ancestors brought 100 Black folks, young Black folks together to really think about the upliftment, the protection, and the edification of Black people. So I just really love that real proactive, positive thinking about Blackness. And also when we talked earlier, one of the things we talked about was the focus on healing. And so I know that there's like a national focus on healing and also BYP 100 has the Healing and Safety Council. Can you tell me a little bit about that work around healing and how healing became so central and integral to BYP? Yeah, the Healing and Safety Council. Oh my gosh, that's super dear to my heart. Um, so the Healing and Safety Council originally started as, again, this proactive preventative piece around as much as we're going out and we're fighting these systems and we're naming them, that's a lot of work and a lot of energy that you're exerting outward. And so we wanted to create something, myself and our mutual friend, Janae Taylor, um, Ife Williams, Mari Williams, um, Chris Roberts, like just we were basically charging ourselves and the organization had a mission to promote holistic energy. And so we were charging ourselves with how do we allow folks to have resources and tools and the know-how to replenish themselves when we're doing all this work that causes for us to really stretch ourselves. Unfortunately, very thin because, um, you know, for young Black people, for Black people, wholly, you know, we have a lot of things that come against us. And so it takes a lot of our bandwidth to try to even figure out which things to prioritize in terms of organizing and naming. So the healing piece was very preventative and proactive and just talking about how do we give folks back the energy that they need to keep going in the struggle, to know that they have opportunity to take a moment to themselves, to care for themselves and other people will step in their place. Like just honoring their humanity, even as we're doing all this work. And there was a moment in our organization where a interventionist approach was necessary. And so then we have started to have representatives in all of our chapters. We have chapters um, across different cities in the country. And so every chapter now has representatives that are charged with both trying to create a culture of healing and also intervening when we have instances of harm that happen because we are all trying to do this and still all being 100% fully human, we have instances where harm occurs. And so how do we restore that in the community? Yes, I really love the both and approach of the Healing and Safety Council, which is around both prevention and also intervention, providing the resources for folks to sustain themselves, to heal themselves, and also in our communities, if harm is impacted, then how to also support the community to restoration and wholeness um, in those moments. You know, it makes me think about why I even started Parenting for Liberation um, was really around my own healing journey. How can I, as a parent, as a Black woman, be healed, be whole, so that I can provide the type of environment that I would desire for my children, which is for them to be whole, to be carefree. But I have to do my own healing work myself. And so I just really appreciate the origins of healing as necessary for for the struggle for Black liberation. Um, you know, it makes me think about, you know, Mother Audre Lorde 
in that belief that self-care is not self-indulgent, that it's an act of political warfare, so that when we take care of ourselves, it helps us to sustain ourselves, it helps us to sustain the struggle, and it means like that Black bodies, Black lives deserve to be nourished, to be healed, to be whole, and that that is not you know, self-indulgent. So I just really appreciate that element of BYP. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say that is a word. <laughs> a lot of the work that we do comes from our experience in the world, right? So me being a Black mother, me having two children, and Akeem is basically the same age as the organization. Um, I was actually at the original convening of the 100 that was the kind of pretext to the organization because I was um, you know, newly having my son. And so every time we grow a year older, I just look at my son who's been literally raised in the movement. Um, and so a lot of the songs and chants that are on here are songs and chants that he and I and our comrades and our family and BOC 100 have done together. And one of the things that that y'all came up with was this album, which was the Black Joy Experience. And so I want to start with the album and, and have you share a little bit about which songs and how did you and your children get involved and contribute to that body of work, that beautiful album that's out right now? So when it came down to actually recording the album, um, you know, it was just beautiful moments because here's my son, Akeem, and he's looking at his Uncle John, he's looking at his mom, he's looking at his T.T. Val, and we're just singing and chanting these affirmations around his blackness and it was just the most beautiful experience ever and like one of the sessions for the recording was actually in new orleans and that's just a very deeply rich black spiritual place so i mean just every experience around this album has brought me joy even just in the process of making it and so it's very very cool to know that now people are able to enjoy it people are able to be in their car saying you know i love black people you don't love black people which is my son's favorite i love black people and and so the other really, really cool thing is that there's other caretakers and moms in BYP 100. Uh, one is Ife Williams and Akeem's brother. I mean, he literally just refers to him as, as his brother. He has two other brothers and he always tells people he has three brothers, including Ife's son, Kamari. And I just remember them and another another girl, um, another young girl, Sophia, just doing the chant down in New Orleans. And it was the most beautiful thing ever. It was one of those moments where you felt like, okay, the work I'm doing is important. Yes, we got this, you know, this policy passed. Or yes, we were able to name and get this officer to be, um, you know, to have accountability for what they've done to Black people. But really, when you see three Black children chanting, I love being Black, or singing, I love being Black. I said I love being Black. I said I love being Black. I That's a real, that's a real beautiful moment. Yes, I'm getting goosebumps right now just visualizing that. And <laughs> I have this desire to like, to create that, to create spaces for that. That is what parenting liberation is about for me. 
is creating the spaces where my son and other Black children could be together and really feel affirmed and loved and being held by a community of parents, aunties, uncles, titis, grandparents, you know, play cousins, play aunties, all of the things, all of the ways that we as Black people hold family, um, both extended family and chosen family. Um, and I just want to see Black children, Black babies, like being held up in this container of Black love, you know, Black liberation, loving themselves. So I totally am getting goosebumps and um, want to see more of that. And so I think that is the the world that I want to create and hold and, and build, you know, with other Black parents for our children, for the future. And I love That was number five on the album, I Love Being Black. One of the intros on the album um, pays homage to Mary Hooks, um, who is the leader of song, um, who shares a mandate for black people in this time. The mandate for black people in this time. The mandate for black people in this time. Is to avenge the suffering of our ancestors. Is to avenge the suffering of our ancestors. To earn the respect of future generations. To earn the respect of future generations. And to be willing to be transformed in the service of the world. And to be willing to be transformed in the she shares one of the elements of the mandate is is um, having a willingness to be transformed in service of the work. And for me, Parenting for Liberation is about me being transformed as a parent in service of my children's liberation. And so I'm curious for you, how are you transformed through this work? And how is your parenting transformed through this work as you bring your two beautiful Black babies into this work with you? That is the center of my life. (laughs) When I'm having moments where I'm like asking existential questions, like what am I doing? What am I supposed to be doing? Um, My children are always at the center of that. They always help me, you know, kind of have a compass and find my way. And I know when I first started doing organizing, I was a young mother. It was my first child. I had a team when I was 21. Um, So I was just finishing up um, school and having my son and um, like working three jobs, three part-time jobs to make ends meet. And I just remember even in that phase of my life, I was very, very um, dedicated in terms of time-wise to be up to 100, which is why he basically grew up, uh, like I said, in the movement with me because I was just so passionate about it. And I think the reason why... um, why I was is because I wanted to secure something for myself. I had a real life reflection of having to secure something for another human life. Um, and that's why I really feel like the the energy of caretakers and, and mamas in movement spaces is so critical and so sacred and so valuable is because whenever you have a human being that you have to be accountable to, whether they eat, whether they um, have clothes, whether they're able to get an education, all of these systems are directly impacting this human life that has no type of say so and in in the way that their life is, you know, presented to them. And so it keeps you vigilant and it keeps you passionate. Um, and then I think the other piece, 
um, you know, which is kind of like the lighter piece, but very much important as well, is that my children teach me how to have joy. They teach me when I need healing. Like if I'm coming home and I'm stressed out and I'm cranky with them and they're like trying to play and I'm like, you know, not here for it. I'm not really paying attention. They let me know like, mommy, you need to check in. You need to chill out. You need to do something that's that's not so so heavy and burdensome and enjoy the 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 ability to live life. So they teach me a lot of gratitude, um, lightheartedness, a lot of joy. Um, but just going back to when I first started this work and how I've been transformed is because I have these two beautiful little people with me every step of the way, I'm much more accountable to my own health and wellness than I ever was when I first started organizing. Because I felt that when I first started, the organizing was about toppling the system, toppling patriarchy, toppling capitalism, toppling racism, right? And I was much less cognizant of the very um, consistent work of the small acts of kindness, the small acts of kindness not only to other people, but to myself that allows me to remain in the fight. Um, when I first started, I thought the fight was this very performative, egocentric, um, kind of aggressive approach. And I've become much more um, introspective, much more reflective, much more um, kind of focused on the long haul. Because again, I have this, this, um, this, this, uh, this charge to make sure that we do win, right? And there's also this other side of it is like, and as we're continuing to fight for the virtual people, what does the, the journey on that way look like? How can I make it less arduous? How can I make it less burdensome? How can I make it less painful for myself and those around me so that we're not just like fight, 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 and then we win, but we are actually presenting models of what we're fighting for as we're trying to make it the norm. Yes. Don't our babies call us in all the time and give us the real about, mom, we need to get that together, check that, or why are you not happy, or why do you seem so stressed? Like, that's the beauty of what that's mm-hmm. what parent of liberation is. Like, it gives our kids the tools to be able to name when things aren't right, right? They have the ability to know how, the confidence to name and call out or call in things that don't feel aligned with their spirit or their energy around their own happiness, their own joy, their own liberation. So I really appreciate that about my kids, sometimes I don't appreciate it that much <laughs> when they call me in about my stuff, but, but that, is, um, that is what a liberated child does. Um, so I appreciate that. And I also just want to like kind of feel like we're going like circling back to, to the way that you're describing the work um, around the both and strategies and approaches of dismantling current systems, but also at the same time planting seeds and practicing how we want to be together once those systems are dismantled. Um, Because we could eliminate systems of oppression and shut stuff down, and then we could end up recreating that amongst ourselves. Um, And so how do we begin to practice new ways of being? How do we begin to practice healing? How do we begin to practice joy amongst each other as black folks so that once those systems are dismantled, how can we begin to put it, plant the seeds now for the world that we want to live in? Um, and our children help to remind us of that because the way that we parent them is about planting the seeds for the future. Um, when I think about what's possible with black liberation, I look at our black children and I'm like, if we can cultivate in them liberation, joy, equity, justice, um, 
and freedom that they begin to plant the seeds for the future. And it's just multiple generations down the line. Um, I might not see liberation in my generation, but I'm doing this because I believe it's possible for my children and future children. And it just reminds me of how you described BYP's Healing and Safety Council um, around the both end of prevention and intervention. Like we have to intervene, we have to disrupt, but we also have to think about what are the seeds we're planting for the future. Um, And so when I think about what are the seeds we're planting for the future, I'm curious about in movement spaces, what do we have to do to create the space for our children to be um, involved so that caretakers can bring their children, you know, what are the conditions that need to be set up in our movement spaces and our liberation movements for parents and children and caregivers um, to really be involved? Because as you said, our young people provide us the the direction, the light, the guide, and how can we help the movement to center them more? Yeah, I, I think about this a lot. I'm actually um, talking to some other, other moms, not just Black moms, but Palestinian moms, um, other, other moms of color who are in movement space about this very question. Um, and again, I think that there's an energy, there's a a spirit that comes with um, the relationship between a caretaker and a child. And when they're present in movement space, what it does to that whole space. I've I've noticed many times that people become more gentle in the space, right? They become more, um, more just kind of alert and not in a a negative sense, but alert in the sense of um, just making sure that everyone's okay. And I've seen that happen in, in a lot of spaces where there's caregivers and children. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful addition. And being able to make space for that and to honor that um, is really important. And one thing that BYC 100 has always done to have intentionality around that is whenever we have meetings, we make sure that um, if there are going to be evening meetings where folks have to come, where it's probably after work or after whatever commitment they may have during the day, and we make sure that we feed each other, that we make sure that we check in before we get started with any of the um, kind of like nuts and bolts of the meeting, that we make sure that there's something for the children to do. And a lot of times it won't even be like we have a whole situation set up for the children, but folks will take turns and volunteer themselves to color with the children, to play with the children, to take them and like do some type of activity. And that's been something that's been built into the culture. But I think wholesale, um, what I'm encouraged by is that I know other organizations have commitments that they do where they have, um, what is it, uh, like books and breakfast, um, different type of like arts activities that they do, um, like liberation circles that are children-led, children-geared. Um, and also, I know organizers who are having their children lead meetings and I'm really giving them like full autonomy and voice in the space and honoring their ability to weigh in on these these things that we sometimes feel are so large and that we have to handle ourselves as adults. But as you said, children are able to really see things just as they are. And that kind of honesty and that frankness is something that's very needed in our spaces at times because we can get mired down in our analysis or our kind of um, set ways of thinking about things. And children are very good at just naming things for what they are. And also for very deep optimism. Um, and so I think the more that we can take those things into effect and take those into our, um, not only our physical space, but our spiritual, emotional space 
it allows us to become more compassionate, more human, I think, um, and more honest and accountable. Um, so there's, there's just so many gifts that come from having caregivers and children in the space. And um, I'm definitely still thinking through and always want to talk to folks like yourself, other um, organizers that I'm talking with about how do we um, make this more um, central in terms of being a part of our work to include that, that spirit. Yeah, I really, really appreciate that. The power and the beauty of, of what's possible when young people are in the space, um, when children are in the space, that there's much more optimism and the future just looks brighter just for having them there. Um, it makes me think about a song on the album, um, or maybe it's a chant, which is, I believe that we will win. And, you know, I've chanted that, I've heard that chanted. But I feel like when young people say it or when young people are in the room that like, I really, really can feel, I can really believe that in my bones. That is number eight on the album. I believe that we will win. I really believe it when I hear young people saying that. It actually becomes like, wait, why is there any question that we wouldn't? <laughs> right? Like, who's questioning that we're not going to win? Like, yes, we are going to win. <laughs> Young people be like, we already are winning. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they're like, mom, we, we did win. We are winning. <laughs> we're like, oh. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, I really appreciate that. And, and, and I'm just, um, I've been holding off on this particular song um, because we've been, we've been in the joy and the, and the positivity and the optimism of, doing this work with our babies, for our babies, for their liberation and for their healing. Um, but there is a song on the album that really cracked me open. It, it's, it's pretty early on on the album, um, which is the mama song. It really cracks me open because it's, uh, it's a song that's from a youth perspective or a child's perspective, really speaking to their mom. And I think as a mom, as a mama, I feel called to hear that song from that perspective. Um, and the song is really about asking you know, someone asking their mama, can they see the pain of the systems of, of oppression and, and the impact they're having? Oh, mama, mama, can't you see? Mama, mama, can't you see? What the system's done to me? What the system's done to me? They lock us up and shoot us down. Lock us up and shoot us down. Ain't no job. That is number six on the album, Mama, Mama, Can't You See? And it just really kind of cracks me open, makes me think about like both the pain and the joy and the commitment to our children to to eradicating those systems that are really um, trying to break our children and our spirits down. How do you maintain both the joy and the love and the healing um, while also being able to hold the pain and fear that that comes with raising black babies? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That song definitely is one that it it definitely gets right. It slices right through whatever your kind of 
ego is and it gets right to the heart of, of the feeling, the, the, the real feeling that comes with being a, a, a Black person in America and <laughs> the world. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think for me, when I, when I heard that song, it's one of these things that it kind of takes me back to a moment where we were doing an action. It was, um, shutting down the International Association of Chief of Police Conference in Chicago. I think it was like 2015 we did it and we were locked arm in arm with lock boxes in a circle um in downtown Chicago and we were chanting and there was a chant you know that goes ancestors watching I know they watching ancestors watching I know I know and in that moment it was it's just this duality of of feeling and spirit whereas you can feel the oppression you can feel the pain and yet you also feel the community physically around you in that moment. And you also feel the spirit of your ancestors who've gone through this same system of oppression and pain. And in some way, it fortifies you and makes you that much more intent on your your goal or your vision to stand in your right, to stand in your humanity, to stand in your your pursuit of of justice and, and liberation. Um, and so when I listen to that song, I get that same feeling is that it's a shame, right? It's a shame that children have to sing this song, that this is a song coming from a child's perspective and that a child would ever have to give light to this, that they would have to go through that. And also, it's it's one of those kind of, hmm, kind of call and response songs that allows you to lean into your pain without being overcome by it because you're singing with other people because it's a part of a chorus of folks who have felt it and also come out of it and we're still pulling ourselves and others with us to a new face and to a to a new space in, in society um and i think that it's important that this is a song and an album of other songs that have other messages right that it's a part of this whole larger narrative that is the pain and it's the joy. I um, mean, you can't be singing about the joy and the joy doesn't feel as full and robust if you don't have pain that underscores where where the joy is now coming from. Um, and so that's kind of how I feel about that song. And that's also when I think about my children, um, I always am optimistic first. I'm, also, I'm always joyful first, but I never, ever, ever, and this is something I learned from my own mother, I never, ever, ever, distance or turn away from the truth so me and my son we talk about everything we talk about um police we talk about his blackness we talk about sexuality we talk about faith we talk about um love we talk about i'm a co-parent we talk about co-parenting and and how he feels in that in that journey there's nothing that i shy away from because i want to know what makes him feel both good and bad and I also don't shy away from letting him know when he does say mama why you look sad what's wrong (laughs) I don't shy away and say oh no I'm okay I tell him I say you know mommy had a long day you know this that or the third whatever whatever's going on and I tell him but I'm okay and I love you and thank you for asking right 
And I think that that's kind of life, right? Definitely life when it's um, something that you're dedicating your life to um, these, these large goals and this large vision for changing the world. You're going to have to go with the ebb and flow of, of all those things. And so I, I just try to remain grateful for all of it. Yeah, thank you for holding the complexity of what it means to be a mama of Black children, that it's both the joy and the pain. Um, It's the struggle, but the struggle to continue fighting. So when I hear that song that's about Mama Can You See What Police Have Done to Me, that my response to my child is like, yes, I see that, and let's do, we have the power and the fight to do something about it. Um, so it doesn't, it, like you're saying, it's, it's not a song about like hopelessness, that it's, it's very painful that we have to, our children have to experience that, that we have to experience that. But I also know that that song comes on earlier in the album because following that song are so many other songs about what is possible with our Black power, with our Black collective, um, with our collective capacity to fight, to heal, um, and to experience joy. And so again, it's the it's the both ends. So I really do appreciate you um, keeping it real with your kids um, and holding the complexities of the struggle, the pain, but also the joy, the love, the hope, um, and and what's possible and for our Black futures. So I really appreciate you sharing your experience with the BYP Black Joy Experience album and also just sharing a little bit more about your parenting and how you hold both the joy and the pain and also your experience in movement spaces and what's possible when we invite caregivers and parents and children into movement spaces. We say we do this work for Black liberation and Black children are the future of the movement. And I look forward to creating and contributing to the creation of those types of spaces where children and caregivers are, can participate and are centered in this work. And so I look forward to doing that in partnership with folks like you and other parents. Um, and I would just love for you to share like where folks can find you online. John A underscore Elise on social media, um, JohnAStrong.com and BYP100.org is the organization. Great. And I want to close the way that a lot of movement spaces, Black liberation spaces close. Um, I've been a part of many circles that close with the Asada chant. And also, that's the way that the album closes. Black Joy Experience album you can find on iTunes and Spotify and other places. And it closes with the Asada chant. So, Johnny, would you mind leading us in the chant as we close out? It is our duty to fight for our freedom. It is our duty to fight for our freedom. It is our duty to win. It is our duty to win. We must love each other and protect each other. We must love each other and protect each other. We have nothing to lose but our chains. 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 I say. I say.